National Signing Day has come and gone, and Oregon had another really good day with Dan Lanning at the helm. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That could include Oregon over Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Day. That's $150 if Oregon wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started a few guys is great to bring on to talk Cruton and recap signing day and whatnot and all our reactions then max torres ducks dish podcast fan nation at sports illustrated and regular guest here on the show max it was another top 10 class at least that's where it is currently sitting on the 24 7 sports rankings for oregon and dan lanning it was number nine a season ago it's currently at uh, number six in the high school composite, number five in the overall when you factor in the transfer portal. Oregon is not going to be short on talent in the coming years. No, they will not. Dan Lee and the Ducks continue to be elite at talent acquisition. They're keeping me busy, which is always a good time to be writing and talking on pods and whatnot. So it's it was an insane day. Wasn't quite as insane as 2023, but man, still plenty to talk about, that's for sure. Yeah, there, there absolutely was. And you, you hit on it that there wasn't as much to talk about because there weren't as many surprises. But I think that's a testament to how well Dan Lanning and the staff did here. And I, I tweeted this out yesterday. Oregon didn't have a single verbal commitment flipped to another school. They flipped two players who we're going to talk about on today's show. But I don't know that signing day can go a lot better for a coaching staff when you have zero players decide to go play elsewhere and you flip two players from now conference rivals, USC and Ohio State. Yeah, I can't, can't ask for much more. And then they also got someone in the portal. I mean, Dan Lane's doing all the right things, pushing all the right buttons, helping uh, address some needs to the roster. And I, I really feel like um, everything has kind of fallen into place. You know, some dominoes falling and maybe that's a little dramatic. I don't know about quite lines up but I mean couldn't ask for a better day really is what it comes down to yeah and and I think that for Oregon you know this being their first class as a member of the Big Ten I don't know that that played a massive role I mean we we saw a top 10 class a year ago and Oregon was in the Pac-12 and in 2021 with Cristobal there and not departing as it was for the 2022 class it was also a top 10 recruiting class I think this is just kind of the standard that that Lanning and the Ducks have sent. You know, Scott Frost has got uh, a quote from back in the day about how hard it is to recruit to Eugene. But I think Mario Cristobal and Dan Lanning and their, their staffs as well deserve a bunch of credit. They have shown you can recruit at a high level to Eugene. You absolutely can. And I mean, I might have a little bit more to say on the Big Ten move as far as having an impact. I don't know if you wanted to get into go, that. Yeah, go but, yeah, no, no, go for it. Go um, for it. I mean, I, I think just showing that they're headed in the right direction and have navigated the insane past year or two that has been conference realignment 
so well, I think speaks to the stability of the program and just being headed in the right direction. And then I, I said, I don't know if you want to talk about it right now, because I think Jeremiah McFellin, it could potentially have played a little bit of a role. I don't have intel on that specifically, but I think when you overcome distance in this in this recruitment, I know that that was something that came up in uh, some of the conversations that I had with people around the program as far as distance kind of being a little bit of a hurdle for McClellan or the McClellan camp. Um, I think when you can sell, hey, we're going to be playing games not too far from St. Louis because we're coming to the Big Ten, I, I think that that's not something that pushes you over the edge necessarily, but I, I'm sure that it was part of the conversation as far as just like, hey, we're going to have games that are close closer to this area and it's not going to be all all West Coast. So you take the good with the bad. I know people are upset about the Pac-12 kind of fizzling out here, but I mean, the, the, the move to the Big Ten is only helping recruiting. That much I can say very confidently. Yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of how much, you, you know, because did Oregon need to go to the Big Ten in order to land a top 10 recruiting class? That answer is is obviously no. Did they need to in a realignment world in which the Big Ten was adding the L.A. schools? We'll never know, of course, because Oregon uh, joined the Big Ten as of uh, early August of this season. So, you know, the 2024 recruits that came on later in the process were, you know, committing to a school playing in the Big Ten. But I, I think you look at the number of kids that uh, stuck with Oregon through that move. Obviously, they're playing in a bigger conference. So uh, why would they decommit, uh, I suppose, is the, the logical counter argument there. But I, I just think that for the Ducks, like they've built up such a big brand on the recruiting trail and they've built up a reputation at this staff specifically has built up a reputation of one that, that works really hard at recruiting. And Brian Smith has talked on the show a number of times about how, if you want to recruit to Oregon, even though there is a really strong national brand and they can pull kids from anywhere, you still have to be willing to bust your butt to land a class like this in a world in which, you know, everything feels like it's consolidating. Oregon is doing a great job of, of keeping its talent acquisition steady. Absolutely. And, and I think I like what you said there just about how you, you still have to work like even in today's era of the portal and NIL, you know, you have fans that are trashing Oregon whenever Oregon like gets somebody you're like, Oh, they just gave them the money. It's like you, you still have situations where I'm sure some of these schools just got outworked. I'm not saying that was the case for all of them necessarily, but like when there's so much going on, like there's still incredible value is kind of what I'm getting at with the persistence, the consistency, the just elbow grease, the getting in early. Like I had someone tell me that the amount of caffeine that has been consumed in the HDC over these past two to three days is like borderline, absolutely unhealthy. But like these guys are locked in. And I think the, just the, the commitment to talent acquisition has been phenomenal. And I think that that speaks not only to the culture with the players, but also the coaching staff, the recruiting department, like everything, everyone is working in like perfect harmony right now. And this is the kind of product that you get when that kind of thing happens. Yeah. I, I think that you, you can't just give credit to Dan Lanning or even just, you know, junior Adams who we'll get to in, uh, in a couple of minutes here, you look at Marshall Malkow, the, the chief of staff, their player personnel, people behind the scenes. There, there are a lot of individuals that go into putting together a recruiting class. It is very much an all hands on deck sort of deal, but you know, or Oregon's headline recruits in, in this class, Max, are on the defensive side of the ball. And my takeaway there with guys like, you know, five stars, Aiden Breeland and, and Elijah Rushing, 
I, I think, and then, you know, it depends on which service you look at, but like, whatever. Those sorts of guys being the headline recruits, I think is going to be a consistent theme as long as Dan Lanning is Oregon's head coach. I completely agree. He even said it on the, the signing day press conference, just how important it is to, to win in the trenches. I don't think that's a, a new philosophy, but you've seen how much that's paid off. I think that they've, they already were, con- were uh, prioritizing, I should say, offensive line recruiting. We, we knew that that was kind of, um, I get the feeling it was more of a sure thing in recent years. Um, but the, the renewed emphasis on the defensive line is great because you're in a situation now, if you're Oregon, where you're not going to have Brandon Dorless, you're not going to have Casey Rogers and, and the, the rest of the departing defensive linemen. But look at what you're turning to. You're turning to all Americans. You're turning to guys that potentially maybe even have like NFL frames and they haven't even been turned loose yet at the college level. Like I know Ryan winter likes to talk about that a lot, just about how developed these guys are physically um, when they're just getting to the college level. And then a lot of these guys that you're turning to at various positions have, have been able to learn behind veterans and in some cases have gotten um, some, some good opportunities to, to get ready. But the, um, I just had a complete brain fart with where I was going because I've been going all day. <laughs> well, you know, I, I thought when, I was on something really good. When you're when you're in that sort of mode, here's what I'm going to do as as the kind and generous host that I am. I'm going to give you an opportunity to think about that and give you a moment to collect your thoughts on the two flips at wide receiver that Oregon had over the weekend. Well, not over the weekend. See, my brain is mush too. Everyone's brain is mush right now. That's just kind of the way that it is because players and names are flying all over the place. Dan Lanning and company are not using LinkedIn jobs, but you should, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. And that is why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Hiring is easy, not hard, easy when you have that many qualified candidates because on LinkedIn's network, it's not just like any other network. There are over a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 20 for hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats nowadays, might not have the time or resources to hire. That's why they're there to help you out. Post your job for free over at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, Max, did you collect your thoughts from the moment of what my one of my favorite high school teachers would call cerebral flatulence? Yes. Wow. What a what a way to call that. I think yes. it, I was really just getting to um, the fact that the talent acquisition has really helped so that you're not drawing from, you know, just nothing or you're not in a position where you have to throw a true freshman out there because you don't have any better options. Like, hey, you're all we got, man. Good luck. 
Like, you're like, no, we have guys that have played or like that are ready for this situation. And I think it just speaks to the the broader vision that Dan Lenny has for the program. So that's basically what I was trying to get to. Yeah, I, I think the program very clearly is being built in Dan Lanning's vision. He has known since he showed up, you look at the 2023 class, you look at the 2024 class, there is an emphasis on the defensive line. Lanning's a defensive guy, was, was the DC over at Georgia, and he knows you have to be able to dominate up front. And I think he built a really good defensive line this year through the portal and from some holdover players and, uh, you know, guys that uh, they recruited in the 2023 class as well. And I think that that's a big reason why Oregon's defense was so great this year. I know they weren't great in two games in particular, but Oregon still with those numbers baked into the cake allowed less than 20 points a game this season. That is where high level defenses play at. And I, I think that going into the big 10, you, you have some suspect offenses out there. You, you, you've got some Iowa's, you've got some Illinois's, you've got, I mean, Tommy DeVito is, of course, elite. So maybe Illinois knows what they're doing at the quarterback position. Maybe they don't. But I, I think that going into the Big Ten, or Oregon's going to have plenty of talent. It's just a matter of going out, getting the right game plan, having the right mindset, being healthy, executing on, on game days here. But Oregon executed flipping two receivers from now Big Ten schools. USC, they flipped Ryan Pelham, but the really big one, was Jeremiah McClellan a flip from Ohio State, who's a top 100 player in the class, and I think really helped to maintain Oregon's status as a, a top 10 recruiting class for this 2024 cycle. Steve Wiltfong dec- er, uh, um, uh, described, is the word I'm looking for, Jeremiah McClellan as one of the most ready to contribute wide receivers. I don't know that that automatically means that he plays, but I think the fact that Oregon flipped Jeremiah McClellan from Ohio State is probably making the Buckeyes go, did we really want this realignment thing? What is Oregon doing here, man? That was a huge, huge flip. Not not one that I was overly shocked by because I knew that Oregon had remained involved since Jeremiah McClellan committed to Ohio State. But yeah, to, to your point, I think that it was kind of um, kind of like one of those little moments where it's like, hey, yeah, we're we're here. Like, how's it going? Um, in case you forgot about us, um, which is why I put out a, a tweet that I think Junior Adams has just been doing a phenomenal job recruiting receivers at Oregon. I mean, flipping two All-Americans from from the schools that they did are just amazing. But I think with with that uh, receiver, with, with McClellan, I think that it is, you are right and correct, I think, to kind of maybe pump the brakes on playing early. I mean, look at uh, what, what we saw last year with Jurion Dickey, a former five-star wide receiver, not not to criticize him by any means. I mean, I heard he was kind of banged up throughout the year on and off. Uh, they also brought in guys from the portal. You know, those guys aren't exactly going to wait around. But just be, you don't want to get caught up in the stars and all the hype because you got to get guys there and they got to be better than what you already have and they got to prove themselves. But all that said, Jeremiah McClellan is really, really good at football. And you know that there's something special about that guy if Ohio State wanted him. Yeah, and Ohio State has been wide receiver U. I mean, they have had, you know, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. I'm a Seahawks fan. I freaking love Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, I, I like, I love the draft pick coming out. Like, uh, b- bottom line is Ohio State knows how to identify wide receiver talent. If they really wanted him, then Oregon getting him, I think, is a really good thing. And, and on the junior Adams front, you know, we'll, we'll get to Ryan Pelham flipping him from USC in, in just a moment, but. He's done a great job recruiting, but I think his development 
has been quite good. And it's going to be a big test for him next year without Troy Franklin off to the NFL. But I look at a guy like Tez Johnson and the way that he improved over the course of the season, his production spiked big time as as the second half of the season played out. And he became a true number two wide receiver for Bo Nix this year. And I look at a guy like Troy Franklin, who Adams started coaching, did not recruit, but started coaching in 2022. And Franklin took a step forward. And then this year, I think Franklin took another step forward. I thought he was more built physically and he had the best Oregon receiving season arguably in the history of Oregon football. That, that is not overstating things. He set the single season record for uh, for yards and touchdowns, and he looks like a first-round NFL draft pick, late second, I think, at, at or early second at the latest. I, I think that Junior Adams is a position coach that kind of flies somewhat under the radar. Like I think he's fairly well-known amongst Oregon's fan, Oregon fans, but he's done a great job with the wide receiver room, a unit that has been productive over the last couple of years, and I think you just have a lot of different elements that are good. Everything you just said was so factual, and I want to deviate for a split second. At this point, might be a little bit um, take me a second to get to, but like Oregon may not be in the playoff. Washington's in the playoff, but do people know who built that Washington wide receiver room? Junior Adams. Uh, Junior Adams. Yeah. Not to take away from from what Jamarcus Shepard has done this year. It's been a special yep. year for Huskies, but Junior Adams did recruit Troy Franklin when he was at Washington, and he's done a phenomenal job developing guys, recruiting guys, identifying them. Um, and I think that he was, he was one of those hires that I think I wasn't like unsure. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I guess I was kind of unsure about it just through, on the fact that I didn't know much about him uh, other than the whole Cooper cup thing. And then, but like every, where this guy's gone, every receiver he's touched is like doing special things now. And uh, just to, to be able to have him on this staff, it's it's dynamite. And, and he has been incredibly valuable uh, to to this team. I think he's also showing a little bit more recruiting muscle going going outside the West Coast. I think that's been a little bit of a knock that I've seen on him before is that he kind of only sticks to West Coast guys. Uh, clearly, that's not the case now. Um, and I don't really think it was entirely, but that loses some juice right now. Um, but yeah, Jeremiah McClellan's phenomenal. Junior Adams is as real as it gets, um, and he is a hard worker on the recruiting trail, and and he's uh, another coach that the Ducks are very fortunate to have right now. Yeah, Ryan Pelham, the other receiver that he flipped from USC, and uh, you know Will Stein was also in on the recruitment, according to Twenty Four Seven Sports of Pelham, who on the Twenty Four Seven Sports composite is uh, the number ninety nine player in the country. Like like these guys both are. Uh, top 100 recruits, if memory serves. I, I'm going to double check that on on McClellan right now. Yeah, he's number yeah. 49. So I, I, I think that for both of these guys to come in in this class also makes a lot of sense because positionally, you know, you want to be as balanced as you can be in, in a particular recruiting class. I think it's clear Oregon will always be defensive line heavy. And then each class, it'll kind of depend on, you know, uh, we had a bunch of receivers last cycle. We had a couple tight ends last cycle, didn't need one, you know, and, and just kind of playing that that game of cat and mouse with the roster and whatnot. But uh, Tysier Denmark and Jordan Anderson were both one-time Oregon four-star receiver commits, and they both decommitted. And I got questions here on the show like, hey, what are we supposed to make of this? Should we be worried about it? Well, the answer is very clearly no, because I don't think Oregon could have done any better replacing those guys who are talented players, to be sure. But from a recruiting ranking standpoint, which are not everything, Oregon has, has upgraded from those particular spots. 
I, I tend to agree on that. I think that you you couldn't have asked for a better finish from the wide receiver spot, and they may not be done yet. Gatlin Bear, we got to see what happens with him. He's not going to be speedster. Speedster. He, he's not going to be announcing. He and Pelham both are kind of like smaller speed guys, right? Uh, not necessarily. I think I think Bear is is a, a little bit heavier in the frame, uh, bigger in the frame. I think he's closer to like six two, six three, like one ninety and above, whereas Pelham is like more like. 511 175 type deal um but that said i mean they're both special talents everyone knows about bear because of his speed but he is kind of a unicorn is how his coach described him when i got to interview him he's not going to be signing until february uh i tend to think that michigan has the edge there but it looks like it's going to be a michigan and oregon battle right now and uh oregon has done a great job just in terms of getting guys out there uh to see um bear and just kind of continue to show that interest so that one still seems like it's got a little bit of ways to go, but I mean, like I said, yeah, the, the the wide receiver picture could not have looked any better. I think if if you're just looking at Oregon right now and kind of what has happened, especially don't forget, let's not forget Spencer Dylan Gresham was taking some OVs late in the game there. Yep, that and they were able to hold on to him, and they still got him. Yep. So you've got Dylan Gresham, you've got Jack Wrestler, you've got Ryan Pelham, and you've got Jeremiah McClellan as Oregon's four receivers in the 2024 class. If they want to add a fifth great but certainly not a need especially given you know what Oregon I think has in the receiver room for next year I, I think the young receivers could be poised to pop especially especially uh, a jury on Dickey and, and just what one quick note because you compared him to McClellan and I think that that's totally fair because you know recruiting analysts will look at, have looked at these guys and said oh they're ready to contribute right away and Dickey didn't really play at all this year jury on Dickey was described by one recruiting analyst I talked to as among the most ready to contribute wide receivers he has ever seen. And Dickey did not play any meaningful snaps. I don't know if he even had a catch this year, uh, if if memory serves. So it, it can take time, but in other instances, you never know when a, when a guy could pop. It, it just kind of depends. Did the quarterbacks play a role here? That's an interesting discussion. I have an interesting question for all of you out there who haven't checked out FanDuel yet. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Because as the weather gets colder, which it certainly is where I am, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. If you want to spice up the Fiesta Bowl against Liberty, the Ducks are 17.5 point favorite. If you feel confident, if you don't feel as confident, you can put your money where your mouth is or perhaps is not, depending on how you're feeling right now. So the app for FanDuel is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So a couple questions came in. Mailbag is always open, as everydayers know. YouTube comments or on Twitter, at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. DMs and mentions are wide open. If you want to become a Locked on Ducks insider, you can go join the subtext community. Link in the description wherever you listen to or watch this show. Free 14-day trial, then it's just $5 a month to get all sorts of perks, including priority mailbag access, which is how Bud has sent in a couple of questions here. Oregon seems to have done well in bringing in a bevy of even more quality receivers. What are your thoughts regarding the impact of signing Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore on these commitments? 
I haven't heard that there are any direct ties. Max would know better than I would, frankly. My guy's tapped in to recruiting forever and always. But my, my initial reaction, Max, is much like Oregon to the Big Ten and the effect on recruiting can't hurt and probably helps at least a little bit. That, that would be my guess is receivers look at Gabriel and Dante Moore as well for these true freshmen and say, oh, so Oregon's set at quarterback. If I contributed to true freshman, I got a veteran throwing me the ball. But if I'm not going to pop till I'm a redshirt freshman, then I know there's going to be a super talented guy throwing me the football. I think for receivers, we've seen that trend where a quarterback goes somewhere and a receiver follows him. I think that could have at least played a factor here. I would tend to agree. I was having the same conversation with somebody earlier. If you just look at the respective situations at both schools, what happened at Ohio State? Kyle McCord transferred, and they have Devin Brown, I think, that's there. He was a standout from Utah and a guy I really liked in the 22 class, I believe it was. And then you have Aaron Oland from the 2024 class, but true freshman quarterbacks rarely play. And then at USC, you have a transfer for this year, uh, I believe it's going to be Will Howard from Kansas State. And then mm-hmm. looking forward, you don't really know because Malachi Nelson just hit the portal and he was a former five-star guy. And I just think Oregon has a lot more certainty and a lot more clarity there at the at the quarterback spot, excuse me. So I think that's like a new layer, different kind of look at stability that is clearly going to have some appeal with star pass catchers versus, ah, oh, we don't really know what we're doing. You know, we'll figure it out, though. Stay committed, and it's all good. Like, trust the process. No, that's not what's happening at Oregon. They have studs ready to go. And I am still so incredibly high on Dante Moore, even though the thing things didn't go well at UCLA necessarily in his first year. I remember that I, I always think back to when I saw him at the All-American Bowl. I feel like I've said it a million times, and maybe people are getting tired of me saying it. But, like, just I remember the whole week, and especially in that game, Watching that dude operate, I was like, dang, I would, I really wish he was coming to Oregon because then I could get to cover him some more. And uh, how the tables have turned, um, I meant to say it Well, well, how well. Ta- how, how the, the turn tables. tables. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> but he's going to be at Oregon. Um, former five-star guy, former number one overall recruit over at uh, SIL American. Dude's going to be special, I think. Got a fresh start in Eugene. And um, he's going to have a great O-line and plenty of people to throw to. That's for sure. Yeah, he, he is. And, you know, on the receivers, just to kind of uh, put a bow on this, I wonder if either one expect to play as true freshmen. I, I don't know that they've got a path to be there because if Dickey is healthy, I, I don't know, you know, how talented McClellan is compared to Jurion Dickey. Both are super highly rated recruits. Dickey's got one extra star next to his name, but McClellan's not that far off from five-star status. Like they can both be big time players for the ducks in 2024 and, uh, and potentially beyond. But I think that for, for, for Pelham and McClellan, both like it's an uphill battle. Cause you know, that Jack wrestler and, uh, and Dylan Gresham are not going to just roll over and say, yeah, sure. You, you were the more highly rated recruit. You go ahead and just have, have any playing time that I would get. And, and then you look at the rest of the receiver room and Tez Johnson hasn't said anything. Well, he could be back. Well, he'd be a clear go-to wide receiver and Treshawn Holden. He he's looking like he's coming back. And then Kyler Casper's waiting in the wings and you just kind of go down the list and you're like, well, wait a minute, that could be like four receivers that are already ahead of them there. So 
it, you know, Ashton Kozart was a super talented guy that coming out of high school a year ago, never played a meaningful snap for uh, the Ducks this season. And there is a possibility that one or both of these guys fall into that camp. But I, I don't I, I think it just depends on what their expectations are compared to the staff's plan. Sure. And I think part of it is just you got to think about the competition. I was talking with Ryan Pelham after he committed today and he's saying like, that's going to be a really good room. Like there's a greatness in that room. There's going to be competition. And I, it, it's uh, another one of these, I don't know if an adage is the right word, but another one of these truths in recruiting good players want to play with good players. That is always going to be the case. You see it at all the highest level, highest achieving programs. And you want to be able to go against the best talent there is whether that's at your position or the one that lines up across from you, because it's going to make you better. So it's, it's when you say it that way, it almost kind of feels like an embarrassment of riches at receiver. I don't know that I'm quite ready to say that because Troy Franklin's leaving. Uh, But man, it's, it's a good situation for junior Adams at wideout. I completely agree. Max Torres is always a good situation here on the show. Ducks dish podcast covers Oregon for fan nation at sports illustrated. My guy, I wish we were doing this in person like at the Pac-12 championship game, but this was a little bit more fun than the outcome of that particular Friday night. So maybe it's better that way. And before we go, I want to shout out John McFarland, by the way, who in the YouTube comments of yesterday's show was confirming every single national letter of intent that got signed. They were all there in the comments section. What a guy. I thought that was amazing. Guy was absolutely grinding out there. Appreciate it, Max. Thanks for having me, Spencer. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.